Heavenly Father, yes. Mm. Lord God in heaven, Lord, when we sing that song, we realize that you are our, our only hope in a world that's against us. Lord, we're the ones you have chosen. You've, you've selected us. You love us so much. You want everybody in your family, but we know, God, that we're in, so we're thankful for that. But Lord, we're under attack constantly. We run into trials. We run into temptations. And God, we know we can rely on you. And Lord, we come with a, a need. We come with a hope. We all come here expecting something because we want to hear from you, God. We know the reality of our need, and it's you. So Lord, feed into us today. Do a mighty work. We thank you that we can worship, but now, God, as we continue in our worship and open your word, we ask that you would minister to us, Lord, that you would be glorified. So, God, we give it all to you with expectant hearts. In Jesus' name, and the church says, amen. All right, have a seat. Thank you, brother. Yeah, amen. Oh, so we're in the James second time through here this is going to be good we're going we're going all the way to verse two today all right are you excited yeah you're like are you serious just one verse now we'll do a little bit more today you know it's interesting you know we're, we're going to talk about trials you know not the kind you go to uh see at your um you know in the in the what's it called on tv or something like that the different trials that we have but the trials we go through those hard things we deal with i think of um a lot of us right now are currently dealing with some hard stuff I know we've had death in the church just recently, and that's just a hard one to go through. Personally, in our family, I've got my brother-in-law's in the hospital, and he's dealing with some stuff. He's been there in and out all week, and he's stuck in there, and he's just hating it, and he's trying to figure out what's wrong. And I think there's other people that are going through some difficult times in their relationships. There's financial issues. Anybody have any of those things going on even recently? This is not fun. Life is full of these things, and we have to deal with it. But you know, there's another trial that we constantly have to deal with in and out of our lives, and that's people. God brings people into our lives, and it's, it tries us. It's hard sometimes because they're not all like us, and they don't understand us, and they have their problems. And even though we're perfect, you know, we got to deal with them, right? It's like, you know, I had this person come into my life this last week, and, and it, it, was, it was brutal. It was like, man, they are the most selfish person. Anybody have that person in their lives? And it's like, man, I can't believe that they are like that. And it was like, oh, what is going on? And it got to the point where I didn't want anything to do with him. I got so fed up, and I was like, I'm going to be mean to him. There's no way I'm going to minister to this person, right? I'm a good pastor. <laughs> I was like, man, I was going to do it. And so I step away from the situation, and I look, and I realize, you know what I just did? I missed an opportunity, because I became just like that person. I became selfish. I was like, ah, oh, I hate that. Don't you ever, when you walk away and you see something, and all of a sudden you go, wait, I just did the exact same thing. I let that happen. I missed the opportunity for me to be selfless. I mean, that's it. Because what did I do? I looked at this situation that I was in, this trial, this person coming in, and I realized, you know what, I then, I didn't ask the right questions. I got so engrossed with me, I was becoming the victim. Anybody ever become the victim? Well, it's their fault, my life is bad. 
And it was like, what? Why is this person here, you know? And what's their problem? What? Why, God? Why, why, why? And when I forget that I need to ask the question of what? See, I, I became the victim. I need to go going, what, God? What do you have for me here with this person? What do you have for me here with this illness? What do you have for me here with this financial difficulty, this relational problem? What is it, God, that I, I need to deal with and learn? See, we have to change our mode and our way of thinking when the hard times do come in and press in on us. See, today you'll see that the title is From Victims to Victors. See, we got to change it because a lot of us, we're really good at being the victims, aren't we? It's good, man, because we can blame, we can pull the blame game. And I tell you, all through Scripture, you can read about victims. You know, think about the Israelites, you know. They were, they were victims. They got out in the desert. It's all your fault, Moses. It's all your fault you let us free. Oh, sorry, you know. And, and they didn't look at it right. They didn't look at it what, the, what it was, what it could be like. They looked at it with a negative attitude. And then I think of the victors. There's a lot in the Bible too, but I think of Paul and Silas. If you can go to Acts 16, I, if you're looking for, for a, a scripture to read that's encouraging you, in Acts 16, and you can see this in verse 16 and following, here's the story. Is, is him and Silas were, were ministering about God. They were telling people about Jesus. And there was this servant slave girl in the town who was demon-possessed and could tell the fortunes of people. And she would follow them, and they said, he, these are messengers of the Most High. These are the messengers, and they are telling you the way of salvation. And she would follow them in, in, in day in and day out and say this, and they were getting annoyed. And so he turns around, Paul turns around, and goes, get out of there, demon. We don't want you anymore. And so... She, they release her from the demon. The demon is out of her. And then her owners get mad. They get mad because they just took the, the way they made money off their slave girl. And so what they do, they took him in front of the people. They beat him. And the magistrate comes along and they said, you know what? Look what this guy did. Look what these two did. They're spreading their, their word and all this stuff. Get rid of him. So the jailer takes him and they put him in the jail. They've been beaten. They just did God's business. They just saved this girl from demon possession. Sounds like a good work, right? And then what is their reward? They get stuck in jail. Now, if it were me, I'd be like, this is stupid. I'd be like, man, this is stupid. I'm in a dank jail, and all I did was help somebody, right? But what did they do? We didn't know the story. They start singing praises and hymns. They're shackled. Now, they're shackled. It's very uncomfortable. They're shackled like this. And they're, and they're dirty, and it's not a comfortable place to be. And they're singing praises, and the other prisoners are noticing what's going on. And they're like, and they're doing this thing. They're giving glory to God. Now, there's a victor. They could have complained. And then we know the story even gets even better. Then the giant earthquake comes. Yay, earthquakes. And it comes, and it shakes the place. It breaks the, the doors open. It breaks the chains. And, and they're just like, hey, they could be free. And then the jailer, he's afraid. He's thinking everybody escaped. So he gets ready to kill himself. And Paul says, don't worry, we're all here. Don't kill yourself. And he runs in. And he goes, what's, what's, what's going on? What do you have? And, they, and, he, and he unshackled them. He brings them into their house. He dresses their wounds. And what, what happens? He leads them to the Lord. He goes, what do I need to do to have eternal life? He goes, you believe in Christ, you and your family. And he accepted Jesus as their Savior. I mean, come on. 
I mean, the story is just a phenomenal story of victors. But there was a choice that they made. Were they going to be the victims or were they going to be the victors? See, Corey Tim Boom said it like this. She says, the first step on the way to victory is to recognize your enemy. What was, what's the enemy? Self. Me, I'm the most important. My way. I want my creature comforts. I want what I desire. And here she, she says to us very plainly, you want victory? Who's your enemy? you got to identify it. And that's what we're called to do. Because we got to start asking, you know, the what of what God's going to do in this situation. we got to ask ourselves, what, what's going on here? So often we get caught up in the why. We blame. Why God? As you can see already, we have to understand that we must change from asking why to asking what. we got to change it. So many of us, we like to say, why, God, why? Instead of, Lord, what do you have for me in this? Not that condescending attitude, what now, God? That's what we like to do. What another thing? Okay, great, God, you know. And I do that. I mean, even last night, you know, you got car problems. Great, thanks, God. There's a scorpion in the bathroom. Thanks, Lord. You know, that's what, that was literally our last night. What now? We, we kind of get lost in that too, but the what is like, we want to internalize it going, God, what do you have for me here? And how do you do that? How do you internalize that change? So I got a few points, and the first one I'd like you to write down is to understand this. It says, my outlook determines my outcome. My outlook. See, what are you looking for? Okay? My outlook of how things could be. So often, you know, our attitude gets in the way of what we desire. But if we change our outlook on things, it's amazing what we can become. We can get hope rather than bitterness. We can get joy rather than sadness. We get expectation rather than de depression. See, our outlook truly matters, and it determines you through the long term. Let's go ahead. Let's go to James verse 2 of chapter 1. It says very plainly, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Now, there's a lot in this verse, and I could take apart it all day, and I won't bore you with that, but understand, it says various trials. There's going to be hard trials. There's going to be quick trials. There's going to be long trials. There's going to be painful trials. There's going to be people in your life, and there's going to be issues that you're going to have to deal with. And so we have to understand that there are going to be trials. And it says, it says, when you encounter, understand it, there's no if there. So the promise is, Christian, you're going to endure some stuff. See, if you don't like that, you know, go to Joel Steen's church and eat chocolate cake and you'll get a good feeling. <laughs> the reality is, the reality is the Christian walk is you will have trials. You will. And, and that's just how it's going to be. It's all through. That's why we learn how to deal with them. See, there are some trials that happen to us just because we're humans. Okay? Our bodies fail. It's because we have the sin in the world, and we're in this sinful world, and so things will happen. Cars break down, scorpions get into the bathroom, and people hurt you. That is just a reality of life. Yet God uses those things in your life to shape you. He does. 
You go, well, God causes them. Well, we're going to talk more about that next week. But the reality is, is God can use things in your life of who we are as humans. He's going to use those. But also, there are trials that come because you are believers. You see, we have to remind ourselves of that. See, you bit off a little bit more than the world when you decided, I want Jesus. Because the world's not going to be for you. The world is going to be coming up against you. And so there's going to be these trials that we have to deal with. There's going to be some certain areas that we're going to deal with. So we look and I'm going to flip over to 1 Peter. And in chapter 4, he writes this in verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeals among you, which comes upon you and for, or for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. You see, these things are going to happen to a Christian. They're going to test you. You're going to have to say no to certain things. You're going to have to be prepared to step out in faith. You're going to have to be ready to do maybe what the world calls negative, and you say, no, it's about Jesus. I'm going to follow him. See, it's, there's going to be some cost to developing righteousness. Maybe God's going to call you to walk away from a relationship. Maybe he's going to call you to stop doing something. Maybe he's going to call you to do something, and it might cost you financially or physically. And so that we have to understand those trials will come. But let's look back at James. So in James, verse 2, he says these words that are amazing to us, and I love it, because and it, and it, it starts off when it says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various Trials. Now, the word consider, we always think about, let's just ponder and think, don't we? Let's consider the trial. And we look at that and we're just like, yeah, consider it. But the word hageimai, the word hageimai means to lead with, to begin with. So it says, consider, or it says to begin with joy when trials come. See, that's what it's saying to us, is our job is to begin with the trials. It comes before, okay? That's the term, it, something that would come before. So we can understand this, is when trials come, immediately give thanks to God and adopt a joyful attitude. See, when trials come, when that person comes in your life and they're really annoying, you got to take a step back and go, okay, thank you, God, that they're in my life. Now, that is not our nature. That is against our nature. And so we have to learn to do that. That's why we got to get God on the brain. One of the practices I do, and it didn't come through for me this last week, I remembered it afterwards, and I failed. That's okay to fail. But you don't live in failure. You get up, repent, and keep going. The sad part is, or I'll say the blessing was for me, is he gave me another opportunity later in the week. Ugh. <laughs> we had that. He gives us another opportunity. And so we see the, the, how we go about this. I love this. I share it time and time again. But here's a formula that has proven to work in my life and will prove to work in your life. And it's found in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. It says, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving make your requests known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus now look what it says here 
It's a very simple thing. When those trials come in, you let God know your heart, but you pray and thankfulness. Thank you, God, because you gave me something to go through. And know what happens? Is it, guards, it says it guards your heart and your mind. First, your heart, you won't become a bitter person. You won't become vindictive. That person, you know, they're really annoying. I'm going to get, I'll show them. You know, and we got to guard our hearts, and God's going to remind you, go, no, 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 you don't need to go there. And then your mind, because so often when a trial comes, may, maybe you're in the, you go to the hospital, maybe there's, there's a death in the family, maybe there's a, a financial ruin, there's a problem, and your, your mind can go to a dark place. I want to end this. I, I don't want to be here any longer. I'm a burden on everyone. There's no point in me being alive. You give thanks to God in your trial, whatever that is, and he's going to guard it so you don't go to that dark place. That's a promise. That's God's promise to you, and that is how we change our outlook. We want to change our outlook because that determines our outcome, and it affects people. It affects people. I had another chance, and you know what? It affected me. I don't even know if it touched that person. They're oblivious. But it affected me. And that's what God's after here. Remember, we're talking about spiritual maturity. He wants to work on you. So often we're like, yeah, yeah, work on them, God. Work on them. They're the issues. God's like, no, you got the issues. So we got to look at that. But so as we go forward, we understand that aspect of our, our outlook determines our outcome. But look at the next one. My faith will be tested for my growth. There it is. It's not for someone else's growth. Your testing happens for you. You're special to God, so he's going to test you. You're like, really? Because first of all, we like the idea of God loves me, nothing's going to happen to me, Right? If God loves me, he's not going to do anything. See, that's like a, a parent just wanting their child to stay in diapers the rest of their life. See, no, a parent wants to see this child grow and become the man or woman God created them. There's a joy there. Oh, there's heartbreak when a, a life or a, a time of, of life changes from, from toddler into into that elementary student child and then it goes into junior high and there's each time there's a joy and there's also a sadness because it's over but then they become this person you're like wow see god wants you to change because remember with growth does come change he doesn't want you to remain the same person you started out with him as and so we see this in verse three of, of james one it says knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Now it says knowing. Again, it's going to happen. That's a reminder. Knowing, first of all, it is going to come. Secondly, yeah, I know it's going to come. So there's a reiteration here. Various trials, yes. When they do, I know they will. So he's saying you, you understand it. And knowing that, it's for you. When I was a kid, uh, we grew up in the mountains, you know, and uh, and love the snows and, and it would be a heavy wet snow was always the best one because it made the best sled runs and snowballs and stuff 
And I would get out there in the crisp air, and I remember it, and I grabbed my sled. And we would walk to the sled runs, and I remember we, we, we were in a, a grove of cedars, and there were a lot of seedlings of the cedars. And the heavy snow would, would push the cedars over the young ones. And so it was always a fun thing for us kids is we would go down there and somebody walking by and we'd flick the tree and the snow would fly up on them, you know? It was great. Uh, then they had the taller ones with the, with the limbs that would, would, would hang down and you couldn't reach that, but you didn't want to be around them because at any moment the snow could slide off and hit you on the head. But it was fun. Like, man, it went down my back. And so one day my dad's like, you know why it does that? You know why the trees bend over and the, the branches go down? Because the tree's getting stronger. It's good for the tree. It's good to have that weight because if it's not strong enough, it's a weak tree, it's going to break off and die. And we don't want those, those flimsy trees. The trees need to be strong and ready so it'll lose the, the weak branches and it can put more nutrients into the stronger branches and so it can hold. Like, wow, that's pretty deep, Dad. And it was, because that not that like for us? Isn't that like for us when God gives us trials? God gives us these opportunities to get stronger so that when things get rougher, we're able to endure. That's what this verse is telling us. See, understand that testing is for your benefit. It's for your benefit so you can get stronger in what God has in store for you. So don't get bitter. Don't go the why, God, and shake our fist. We're going, okay, God, what do I need to learn here? But then we hear people going, Tom, you don't understand. My circumstances. Look what I'm going through here. You know, I, I, this is just nowhere. And I'll tell you, you know what? You do have unique circumstances. Whoever you are, you have unique ones because you're you. God gave you specific things just tailor-made that he's going to use in your life he's going to use those things you might think well god god brought this upon me not necessarily god didn't bring those things upon you but the life that you're living god's going hey i'm going to i'm going to make sure that you can endure this because this testing is for your benefit and we want to we want to blame so much and i'll tell you you know what each of us are unique my my trials you'd be like what how is that a trial? You might look at it as like, that's not a trial. But you're not in my shoes. You don't understand what I have to endure. And I don't understand you, but I do understand this, that God loves each of us the same. And he loves us so much that he wants us to get stronger. And it's for our benefit. Look what it says in, again in James 3. It says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Now we see the word endurance and we understand what that means is patience. We understand it means sustaining. But you know what it is? It is, it is something that is not passive. It's something that is an active word in, in, in its form. Of, and it's for us that we are active in getting stronger. That endurance. So you're not sitting there twiddling your thumbs. You're going, okay, God, I'm going to go forward. I'm going to go forward. I'm going to go forward. Understand that when trials remain, when trials come, we need to remain committed, giving him glory. In the middle of them. In the middle of them. And I'll tell you this. It's a little caveat warning. Not to say you're going to get out of your trial, but I'll tell you this. If the faster you learn it, what God wants you to do, maybe you won't have a recurring trial in your life. 
You know, you ever get into that point and somebody, and it's like you, you got that person you're dealing with, and she is just going to eat you up, and you're like, oh. And then you move, and you go, thank the Lord, that person's not in my life. And all of a sudden, there's a guy with the same kind of attitude, and you got to deal with them in another job. You're like, ah, why? God wants you to learn something. He's got something that you're not learning. We need to learn those things. We see in Hebrews this is going to encourage you, I hope. It says in verse 36, chapter 10, it says, for you, have, uh, for you have need of endurance so that you have done, so that, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet, in a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one, this is you, believer, shall live by faith. And if he shrieks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Now, this tells me that I can bring pleasure to God when I endure. I get to give God glory and please him. So often, we'd rather not please God. We want to please ourselves. But look what God has done for you. Jesus is coming back soon. That's what it says. And for a little bit, we might get this opportunity if we don't shriek back. So when the trials come, saying, God, what is it now that you would have me do? What is it? How can I give you glory in this? Oh, please, God, guide me in this. Please him with it. You get an opportunity to put a smiley face on God. Wow. Why don't we live like that more often in our trials? To God be the glory. To God be the glory is what we should be saying. And then look here. Our next one is my submission dictates my development. See, there it goes. See, if you don't shriek back, you know what? You're going to develop. When you submit saying, okay, God, I'm giving it over to you. You know what? I'm going to grow. But if you don't submit, if you fight it, what's going to happen so often? God's going to bring that other person into your life that's the same reoccurring issue because he's going to want you to learn it. You know, I'm not saying that you're, you're going to get over your sickness. But if we submit to it, we can find joy in that pain. We can find comfort knowing our God is there working within us. It's the whole idea, you know, if, if you submit to a diet, you have a better chance of what? Losing the weight, getting your goal. But if you kind of forget the diet and you're living on fries, you're not going to get anywhere. We as Christians, we need to give it over to God. Verse 4 of, 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 of James, it says this, let, And let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So often, you know, we, we look for an easy escape when those trials come. Oh, I just want to go to the lottery. You know, I got financial issues and, and you know, the mega thing, it's up to $20 trillion, you know. And we just like, I, if I just take, take 50 bucks, I, I'm a guaranteed win, right? And we just go, let's go for the easy escape. Let's go for a, the, the bottle. Let's go for comfort. Let's go for, for a, a, a relationship that I know it's not of God. I want to fill that person because I need something to help me through. And we kind of say, you know what, I, I, I don't want to endure it. And God's saying, no, 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 stick with me in this. 
don't, don't escape. You know, it's really sad now in, in Canada, you know, euthanasia. You can just schedule your time for, you know, off on yourself. Uh, assisted suicide now. Oh, because, you know what, I don't want to be that person. They're giving up on what God can do in their lives. Opportunity to save them for one thing, but opportunity for them to, to minister and be an example. And it's so sad that our culture embraces this, and Christians do too. We have to remind ourselves, God's goal is our spiritual maturity. And it happens in our young years, our middle years, and our older years. That spiritual maturity comes in, and that is why we have these opportunities of different stages in our life so we can become more like Christ. Because a lot of times we don't get it when we're younger. We don't get it when we're in the middle age. We don't even get it sometimes when we're older. But we need to seek it out. We need to grow. He's got so much more for us. James gives us this example in verse 9. He says, but the brother of humble circumstances this is a poor guy. His glory is in high, uh, his to his glory is his high position, meaning, hey, I don't have anything. I don't have anything. But his glory is in his high position. Why? Because where, where's his security? In glory. His spiritual wealth is in glory. Now look at the rich man. And the rich man, to his glory, his humiliation. Because like flowering grass, he will pass away for the sun rises and scorches and the scorching wind and withers the grass grass and its flower falls uh, and its flower falls off and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed so too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away so we're saying here hey poor man you got nothing now you, what you got, your spiritual wealth is in glory. Rich man, you know what? You might have something now, but it means nothing. Your spiritual wealth is in glory. And so what do we do? We don't focus on the things that we have. We focus on the things that God wants to develop because that carries us through. James is reminding us it doesn't matter necessarily what we have here that matters physically. It's what God is doing on us on the inside. He wants to grow us. And so we see in James, verse 4 again, it says, let us endure. Let, let endurance and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. You see, the word there is results. It, the word is ergon, which is works. Let it work in you. We want it to work in us so we don't lack anything, so we grow and we become more like Christ. That is what it's getting at. See, when trials come, let God work in you by submitting to his will. Just say, okay, God, I'm in it. Trials come, financial issues. Financial issues if you're rich because you've got a lot to juggle. Financials if you're poor because you're looking to where, where that next paycheck's going to come from. You see, it doesn't matter. See, we've got to go, God, in this situation, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to submit to you what you want. That's why we read in Philippians, it says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So you're doing the work, the ergon. You're working. But look what God's doing. And it is God who is at work in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. So he's doing the work in you. And we're, we're to let him flow through us. Oh, we don't give up and throw up our hands. We go, okay, God, I'm going to endure. I'm going to do what I know how to do. But God, guide me in this. I'm going to submit to you, to you be the glory. Because I still have to go through this. 
I still have opportunity for that person to give them grace. So God, you better work through me. You know, and so and he will. But the question is, do we trust him? Which leads us to our final point. In my trials, pray for wisdom. In my trials, pray for wisdom. I was talking with John. He goes, is that how you want to word it? I said, yeah. Because it doesn't make a lot of sense. Because what do we do as brothers and sisters in Christ when someone in our church or our family is going through a trial or a hard time? When they're going through a hurt, is we start praying for God's strength, right? We start praying for God's grace, God's healing, but we leave out something very, very important. Do we pray for wisdom for them? And when you go through the hard time, do you pray for wisdom for yourself? See, this is key. We have, to, we have to know who we are. Look what it says in verse 5. It says, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives, it all, gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. See, in this context, Jesus, he's giving the words here to James, I believe, by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is indicating that, hey, in our trials, we are to ask for wisdom. Whoa. And we don't do that. We need to know, hey, God, what do you want me to learn from this? What am I to get out of this? See, God doesn't put you in there. I'm going to make him go through a trial. Maybe he'll get it. Maybe she'll get it. Maybe, maybe, you know, we have to do our part and go, God, I need this. What do you want me to learn here? And many of us, we don't, we don't run into that. See, wisdom is needed in trials so we don't waste the opportunities for spiritual maturity. That's why it's there. We go through trials. You want to learn from it. First of all, you want to learn from it because hopefully you won't have to do it again. But you want to learn from it, so what? You can be better prepared as a believer. So you can give God glory. So you can be an example to others. So you can see how God works through it all. See, it's a benefit to you. Look at the James says here in verse 6. But he must ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For the man ought not to expect, for that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. See, the problem is, many of us, we go, yeah, God, what do you want me to learn? But we don't expect God to show up. We don't expect God to, to answer. So why, God, why would God? Or how about this? You don't expect God to answer because you're not going to submit to it. You're not going to say, I'm all in, God. See, so many of us, we go in with the wrong attitude. We go with the why. Oh, yeah, pastor said, okay, yeah, thank you, God, for this hard time. What do you want me to learn? And you're going out with the wrong attitude. God's not going to come to you with that. You're like a, sh a ship on the surf of the sea. Whatever, maybe I'll follow you. Maybe I won't. Maybe I don't like the answer. You've got to be sold out. That's what we want to be, is those people that are sold out to God. See, God will use your trial for His purpose. He's going to use it. He's not the one that develops it. 
It, it, Satan likes to give you a hard time. He's going to use it for your glory and his glory. And that's our, our task is to say, okay, God, I'm in. Look what it says in James 1.12. It says, blessed is the man who perseveres. You're blessed under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive a crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Now, a lot of people like to look at this and say, so I have to do this to get saved? No, he's not saying this at all. He's not saying that the sinner's going to get saved by enduring. That is not what it's saying. We know in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, but for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that you can't say, look what I did. I endured it. I'm in. It's what Jesus does. But then we have verse 10. It says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for air God to work, to work it out, to deal with it, to go forward. And he's prepared it for us that we can endure it so we can give him glory. See, that's what we're here for. And so when we read verse 12, we can understand it very plainly. And it says, blessed is the man who perseveres, meaning you're keeping going. It's not passive. It's an active thing. You're enduring it. You're going forward. You're giving God glory. And for once has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So what's it saying to us? Church, we're seeing very plainly, you know, he will develop the righteousness in you. He wants it to develop you, and you get rewarded in that endurance. So many Christians like to give up, and they miss out on the reward God has for them. So many Christians just like to say, why God? And you're wasting time. See, church, you got to ask, you got to be the victor God created you to be. That's what we get to do. Don't live as a victim. That's just like the Israelites running around the desert. Woe is me. I'm going to go make myself a golden calf. We're going to worship that. We know how that ended up. You could be like Paul and Silas. To you, God, be the glory. We serve you. We might get abused, but you're going to use it for something even greater. Something even greater. That's the Christian call. That's what a victor is. Someone that is there for God's glory, not themselves. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much. We thank you that we get to be victors. You've created us to be that. Lord, let us step into that. Let us look to you with expectation, even when the hard times come. And God, we we don't want to invite them. We gladly not have them, but Lord, we want you to have glory in our lives. And so when they do, Lord, remind us today. Remind us that you are there for us, you are sovereign, you are full of grace, and you want to grant us wisdom so we can overcome and learn and be more like your son, Jesus. So God, as we go, I pray in whatever we encounter, be it sickness, be it that difficult person, that you would have the glory in our lives. We ask this in our Savior, Jesus' name. Amen.